the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. George Brocker back with you here, 710 KNUS. Halfway through the uh, morning show at 10 o'clock, we turn it over to Chuck Kirk. He gets a couple hours. Then we go Dennis Prager for a couple. Seb Gorka till 4. And then Brandon Tatum. Uh, from 4 to 7 o'clock, and then we go live and local right back here tomorrow at 6 a.m. We are going to uh, be joined by Richard Holtorf. He would like to be the congressional member from the 4th Congressional District. That's where I live. Uh, I'm in Douglas County, uh, just not in the studio yet, but someone else is. We're not going to put him on air for obvious FCC-compliant reasons, but Stefan Tubbs is uh, in the building that's its own. And, and Mark Crowley came by to say security violation. He doesn't have the proper identification. So he just whisked him out of the building. I, I don't know where this thing goes from here, but there could be some sort of sword play or police involvement. Don't know yet. Some of the texts that have come in here uh, over our topic and just to bring you up to speed, it was a conversation that really began with uh, Nikki Haley closing the gap to single digits with Donald Trump in New Hampshire. She's obviously had a surge everywhere, but that's going to be her first, maybe last best momentum builder is to do super well in New Hampshire. I don't know if she can nip him or not. You know, he's in a courtroom today, I think, over that issue of immunity. But the conversation was about the disparate treatment that they each had and sort of the weirdness with their comments on the Civil War. Nikki Haley, of course, getting punched repeatedly over the idea that when she listed the causes of the Civil War, she gave a short answer that didn't include slavery. And then uh, Trump just sort of doing what he does, which is to just riff off of something I imagine he heard once, uh, um, I don't know, at a rich person's club, but suggested that somehow we were going to negotiate away the Civil War. What if we could have negotiated away slavery? And it was sort of the disparate treatment. Like, he, he did not get crushed over this in the same way Nikki Haley does. And I wonder if, in part, it's because we're all just immune to the idea that this guy just says stuff, like uh, injecting Clorox into your veins or whatever it is to cure the COVID. And we just kind of shrug and go, Dah! you know, he's an idea guy, you know, which <laughs> makes the Ramaswamy thing seem a little more relevant. Um but then people have been coming in, and I appreciate this, trying to defend rather than simply say, guy's wrong, don't agree. And I don't think that this is an indication that he harbors some sort of hubris that would cause him to want to uh, just recklessly negotiate away a whole bunch of different geopolitical issues. And then we started talking with our friend Brian from Arvada about uh, Ukraine and all that other stuff. So th that's the context in which these texts came in. Uh, someone texted in response to Billy thing. Here's Billy responding. Uh, there's another one. Um, yo, Billy, how much of that cash going to Ukraine is actually making it to the fight? How much is ending up in Zelensky's Swiss bank account? Billy says there's been proof of Zelensky skimming money. I think there's you been meant, no, there's yeah, been no proof. You there's left been, the yeah, no out. Oh, of sorry. The, there's uh, been sorry. no proof of Zelensky uh, I, skimming money. And there are things like we, we had stories about him owning yeah. a mansion and there were things about him owning a yacht. 
those were not true. In fact, that yacht story about Zelensky going out and buying the yacht, uh, you could actually do the search yourself, and the company that was selling the yacht, it's still for sale. Uh, again, these are bogus. Yeah. It's not, it's not yeah. that difficult to track it, these things down, people. It feeds that narrative. Here, here's something. Did people forget Lincoln said he wasn't going to start a civil war over slavery? He was against it. He wanted to preserve the Union. That's all true. Last didn't Eisenhower warn us against the military-industrial complex? True. I said, so what does that mean? Bye-bye Taiwan. Bye-bye Ukraine. We're, just, we're not going to stand up for any country defending itself from some sort of dictatorial expansionism and they said think of a drowning person do you make yourself safe first or jump in and kill both because you can't swim or have the wrong tools i don't see us as someone that doesn't know how to swim but why don't we get our house in somewhat of an order before we help others so that's it we just uh pull up the bridge really and unless somebody puts foot on american soil we just mind our own business that feels very turn of the last century kind of a thing uh, here's another one. This is both good and bad in the way you guys shift gears on topics. By the time I'm able to comment on an important subject, you guys move on. We haven't moved on. We're just throwing money at Ukraine with absolutely no accountability of how it's being spent. I worry about that. Have heard most of that money is just going into their economy to keep it running as well as government pension plans. I, I don't know anything about the pension plan thing. Uh, a couple other texts in here. I think, oh, by the way, uh, as I'm sitting here reading your texts, Somebody just snuck into the building with the help of Stefan Tubes, who is also here, dressed much like he is when he's at that homeless encampment that you <laughs> frequent all the time. Uh, listen, it's Richard Holtorf, sir. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming out here. Well, thank you for inviting me. I remember seeing you on the campaign trail, I yeah, think. A long uh, time ago. A yeah. long time ago. Yeah. And uh, you were the best candidate for that oh, race. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. And that. I wish that uh, Colorado would have figured that out. I w- yeah, I wish we had to, but here's where we're at, and this kind of brings us to what you're doing. Now, first off, because people know the name, but they may not know the background. They may not know what you're bringing to the table and what you're doing right now under the Gold Dome, which kicks off this week. Yes, sir. And what you're going to end up trying to do. So first, tell us a little bit about your background. Where do you hail from? What have you done? Well, George, uh, I come from Akron, Colorado, Washington County. I'm a third-generation cattle rancher. The uh, brand on our cattle have been on Buffalo Springs Landing Cattle Company since 1892. Dang. So you got to understand that our roots run deep. Yeah. Something interesting about me, I've only worked for two people in my life. That's Buffalo Springs Ranch in the United States Army right until on. I got into public service, uh, kind of by accident in 2019. Tell me about the journey with the Army. First off, where'd you go to high school? Well, I went to Akron High School, home of the Fighting Rams. And if you know anything about Class 1A football. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, Akron Rams used to dominate one state championship three years in a row. I played on that team back you in the did? day. But we didn't win the state championship. Oh, we could get it. into the quarter and semifinals, but we didn't it's have the horsepower that uh, they had uh, later on in the history of our, my high school. So why the Army? What happened? What's the journey there? Well, I'll tell you. My my grandfather served in the Army Air Corps in World War One. My uncle uh, served in World War Two, also in the Army Air Corps. Um, my dad served in the Army. So you kind of see a pattern here. He was a corporal. All the good branch, yeah. And uh, served during the Korean War era, was drafted. And um, my brother uh, served in the Army. He was a West Point graduate. And, you know, I was the youngest of three boys. So when, you're, when your big brother gets uh, into West Point yeah. and everyone is really proud of him, I'm like, you know, Daddy was in the Army. My brother's yeah. in the Army. I think I might go in the Army, too. 
Now, the irony of that, and I hope my brother's not listening, is uh, at the end of our careers, I retired as an 06 full colonel, and he retired as a lieutenant colonel. Oh, hello. So uh, Right there. Hello, ROTC did, did you... at CSU, because that's where it all started Okay, for me. now, man, listen, uh, pound you for the ROTC thing, but I, I was an ROTC guy at CU. You know who else I think was up at UNC as ROTC? It was a guy named George Teal, a commissioner out of Douglas County. I don't know if we... When did you get commissioned? I got commissioned in 1987 and went right to Fort Rucker to, uh, to fly helicopters. See, I was the only person in our cadet class that uh, got aviation and active duty, and I was a And by the way, that's boy. a big deal. Folks don't know how competitive that is. Getting First off, the active duty thing, even in 87, and aviation's pretty elite. Absolutely. And, and my professor of military science saw something in me when I went to ROTC's advanced camp. I, I maxed out on the rating. And I wasn't the guy that spit shined his boots. Yeah. I wasn't the guy that yeah, marched yeah. with a straight back and, 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 and yeah. did all the things you were supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. I went to college, studied engineering. It was a hard major. I also was in the Sigma Phi Epsilon fraternity. It's uh, pronounced hair salon, but go on. Oh, yeah. I got you. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I had a little too much fun some uh, weekends uh, participating in, in, in Greek life. And um, it just all worked out for me. And um, my, you know, I, the legacy of my grandfather and my uncle, who died in World War II, flying P-47 Thunderbolts, by the way. Wow. Um, and my aunt coming to my graduation from flight school and giving me my uncle's wings. Oh, that's a big deal. It was a big deal for our family. And she came all the way from California to bring those to me, unbeknownst to me. So anyway, that was a big deal in my life. And I've continued to serve for 29 years. And that... Well, you're not now, right? Like, when did you get out? When did you retire? I retired in 2016, but I signed my my, my ROTC contract yep. August 16th of 1983, and I retired, ironically, September 11th, 2016. Oh, wow. That's something. And then, listen, at some point, don't you stop flying? I mean, like, when you're in, you reach, I don't know if it's major or lieutenant colonel, but at what point, and I don't know the answer because I'm not an aviation guy, at what point did they say, hey, you shouldn't be flying anymore, you should just be talking to the guys that are flying? Well, what happens is you start flying a desk. Uh, <laughs> you get out of the cockpit. They push you out. I flew as a lieutenant. I flew. And, oh, by the way, I did five overseas tours. There's no other candidate in this race for CD4 that I'm running for that did five overseas tours that served in three theaters, the Pacific Theater, the European Theater, and also in the Middle East, did two combat tours in Afghanistan. There's no other candidate that has this resume. What were you flying? Well, I started out in Huey's. Then I went to My Cobra God, the gunships. Sky pigs. Yeah, yeah. Then I went to Cobra gunships, and you talk about a sexy airframe, three feet wide and all canopy and all gun. Oh yeah. And I did that in Korea on the uh, DMZ, Charlie yeah. and Delta sector. Yeah, yeah. Back when I was a lieutenant. Then I came back, uh, and then I got to go to Europe and fly Apaches, and that was an amazing experience. Flying a sixty four gunship, the arguably the best gunship in the world still today. Um, when you can reach out and touch things at you know eight plus miles. Mm. Within a three square foot accurate, yeah, accuracy when you're bore sighted. And I was also an armament officer, and I was also a maintenance test pilot. Most people don't know I went to test pilot school, and um, and I was a, a 15 Bravo. Uh, excuse me, I was a 15 Bravo. I was also a 15 Delta 30, which means I was an aviation maintenance test pilot. And that's what got me pulled back into active duty the second time when I was ranching with Daddy after I did my yeah, first yeah, yeah. tour. I was living life. I was flying out of Buckley in the guard. I was in wiggling sticks out there, you know, one weekend a month and a couple flight training periods a month and living life. And all of a sudden, 9-11 hit. And that changed everybody's of life. Of course. Of course. It and did. I got recalled to active duty. Um, and I went to uh, Korea for three years. Then I went to 10th Mountain Division, became their chief of aviation on division staff. That's a big deal. And uh, then I went to Afghanistan and deployed with the division. Um, Where and, were you guys in Afghanistan? 
Well, I started out in RC East at Bagram with the uh, RC East uh, headquarters. Uh, 10th Mountain Division took that command. But then, uh, according to uh, my chief of staff, because of my maturity experience (laughs) and leadership, they needed a military advisor down south uh, to help the ANA. So I got sent to Task Force Phoenix, and I went down to Kandahar and then to Helmand to advise an Afghan battalion. And that's probably arguably the hardest job I've ever had in my life. Wow, that's interesting. And um, fortunately, I cheated death four times. Wow. And got out of there and Good got back, you. got home. But that was a tough job. Did Did you have the opportunity to do war college? Were they dangling it out a star for you to be like, hey, man, why don't you go here, do this, and we'll think about other stuff? Uh, yes, I did. I actually graduated from the U.S. Army War College um, in uh, Bam. 2013. Um, and, and that's really hard to do. And number one, to get accepted in the U.S. Army War College. Yeah, it is. And then, and well, then, to be selected to compete to go is its own thing, right? Yes, like sir. to get to go. Yes, sir. So that was a privilege of mine, and, and, and I'm the only candidate, by the way, that has a, a master's degree in strategic studies from the U.S. Army War College. I, have I got three, one of those. Well, good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, a stud. Yeah. No, I don't I've know. Always no. known you're Clearly a stud. not. Clearly not. But I got one of those things. It's hard to know how to use it. Like, you know, if you apply and say, I have an MBA or I have a master's in engineering or something, people are like, oh, but you say, I have, I have a master's degree in strategic studies. They're like... What the hell is that? You well, and I know what that Well, is. let me tell you how we're using it in the Republican Party, because oh, I'm the good. House whip right now. What does whip, what's the whip come from? What does that term come from? Do you well, know? the whip is the one that whips up the votes and gets the caucus in line and tries to get things pointed in the right direction so we, we are a unified body as we work and navigate. And you know we're a super minority in the state house. Yes. When I, when I stumbled into politics in 2019 and showed up in 2020, George, here's the thing that I noticed. Colorado Republicans had a huge vacuum of leadership. We were confused. We were lost. We were misguided. Um, And I don't know what happened uh, over those years. Um, I don't want to pick on anybody, but we lacked leadership. And there was a lot of allegedly good people that were supposed to be in those positions. When I got there, I said, you know, number one, we have to unify. We have to be a united party somehow. Ronald Reagan said we have to have a big tent, and right now we're fractured. We have to quit thinking about ourselves. We have to quit thinking about, you know, people want to profiteer off of politics. I said, this is selfless service is something larger than yourself. And if it's about you, you're dead wrong and need to get out of the business because it's about people over policy and people over politics. And that's how I was raised because my mother was very politically active back in Washington County. She worked on all kinds of Hmm. campaigns from Hank Brown to Wayne Allard to Bill Armstrong. And I was a little kid that rode around in the car and handed out these flyers, you know, you put on the, so me and my brothers, when mama uh, could get us off the ranch and the farm and break away from the things that we love to do, we'd go to town, all kinds of towns, Sterling, Brush, Fort Morgan, Akron. And we'd do this thing called door knocking and handing out flyers and promoting these camp, these candidates. And you know, one of the things that impresses me, I remember Bill Armstrong, one of the best, one of the best uh, federal level legislators we've ever had. Um, kind of just the godfather a of conservatism out just, here. Just the champion. Us, yeah. So why did we lose our way and forget about him? I don't know. But anyway, uh, we've been around politics in, in a long time. I served on the Washington County Republican Central Committee for a term um, and really just stayed at the local level. But now at the state level, I bring that strategic leadership. I try to unify. I reach out to Dave Williams and I say, Dave, you're pointing in the wrong direction. Turn your guns outside the perimeter. Yeah, okay? amen. We don't amen. do that. You know, when I was in Helmand and we were under fire and we were surrounded by the enemy, we didn't turn our guns internally. We remembered who the enemy is. And and for Colorado, we know the progressive left. Not all Democrats. There's moderate Democrats. And I tell people this story. You know, 
my wife, my dear, sweet, beautiful wife, who I met while I was in the military, and I married up, brother. I yeah, married yeah. up 100%. It's a good sign. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, most of her family are from North Carolina, hmm. and they're Democrats. Hmm. They're blue dog Democrats. And when we would go back to those family reunions back in East Bend um, and spend time with their family, seven out of ten things we would agree on. Those three out of ten, we had enough whiskey and beer to fix. <laughs> we could take care of that. But now with the progressive left so far over here trying to drive off yeah. that California cliff, there's not enough whiskey in Tennessee, and there's not enough beer in the Coors plant in Golden, yeah. Colorado, to fix these problems. And that's one of the things that I've said I'm stepping up to and we're pushing back. And I have for the last four years. We're talking with Richard Holtorf. He is a uh, House representative member uh Part of the 300, or they're actually only 19, but it feels like you guys are part of the Spartan 300. They're standing hey, in the hot gates. Do you know who made that moniker? No. You're looking at him. Oh, that's it right there. Right that, here, the whip. Right there. Fantastic. <clears throat> By the way, that whip, this is a complete aside. Heard this thing once where someone said, where does the term whip come from? And it's an old English hunting term where the dogs on the outside that are designed and trained to focus all of the other hunting dogs to move forward, to not get distracted and run off to the to the bushes and chase every other thing. They're called the whippers in. And that's where the whip comes from. Is there? It's this old hunting term where they try to keep everybody focused on getting the thing in front of them instead of getting distracted. I thought it was brilliant. Anyway, um, you have, and, and I want to do this. I want to cut away for a break and come back. But you have made the reckless, perhaps intoxicated decision to run for federal office. And I want to talk about that when we come back because that field is only getting bigger and crazier, it seems like, by the moment. It's just a matter of time before Stephen Tubbs announces he's running. And I, I don't know. I don't even know if he lives in the fourth. I don't know that it matters. Oh, you don't have to live in the fourth now because you can well, live in the third person. and just jump right. <laughs> you can carpet bag right into it's CD point, my friend. Folks, we're going to do two things here when we come back. We're going to launch the campaign, Stephen Tubbs for CD fill in the blank. It could be anything at this point, anywhere. I think he, I think he's jumping into the fifth. What's that? Oh, yeah. Billy's uh, trying to focus. Billy's my whip on the show to make sure that I don't lose sight of the fact that I'm obligated to do a couple things that are pretty awesome. One is to talk about a superstar conservative out there, a guy named Daniel J. Kaplis. The J is for justice. It's actually not. It's for Joe, uh, which was the name of his awesome father, who was a career police officer out there in Chicago. And I tell you that only because if you want to know why this guy is built the way he is, it's because he grew up in a household that believed in right and wrong. It believed in good and evil, and it believed in justice. And that's what this guy was raised to believe. And so when he ends up taking his Evans Scholar scholarship up there to see you, Boulder, go Buffs. Not the Rams. Go Buffs. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I'll look, bite my tongue, sir. Look, looking at Colonel Hol Well, if you don't, who will? <laughs> Stefan, I uh, I just want to say that this is a guy who, when you give him a call, his focus isn't on how do I make money on this case or is this case what all this guy cares about, along with his partner, Bob or Wahid, all they care about is, is this a righteous case? Is there an opportunity here to bring justice to a situation where this person can't do it on their own? If that's the kind of attorney you want when you've been hurt by someone else's negligence, recklessness, sometimes intentional conduct, then you got to give Dan a call at 303-770-5551. 303-770-5551. Or check him out at dancaplislaw.com. 
dancaplaslaw.com. When we come back, we'll be joined again by uh, Colonel Retired Holtorf, uh, also candidate for CD. I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a big reveal. He may be running for more than one office. We don't know yet. We'll find out when we come back along with Stephen Tubbs. It's George Brockler on The George Show, 710 KNUS. George Brocker back with you here, 710 KNUS, in studio with Richard Holtorf. Uh, he is a state representative out of Washington County. He's about to get into the General Assembly here as you guys get underway. I think it's probably Thursday, isn't that right? That's going to be Wednesday. We I mean, Wednesday, in at that's tomorrow. 10, 10 a.m. on Wednesday, and that's when the... Uh, the wild ride is going to begin. I was told that this session is going to be wackier than last session and even wackier than See, the special what's session. What's bizarre about that is, is it's an election year. And historically, you would say, OK, in an election year, we would see them take a bit of a knee on the zaniness. But maybe it's a product of the fact that um, Trump isn't competitive here, at least not at the moment. There is no other statewide race. It's all House of Representatives, Commissioner, DA and Congress, which is one of the reasons we wanted to have you in here, because in addition to taking on your duties as a member of the General Assembly in what is going to be this wacky session, you've also made the bonkers decision to throw your hat in the ring, along with, I believe, 53 other people who would like to be Ken Buck's replacement in CD4. Um, Tell me about that decision that you made, and why are you doing this? So, George, uh, it was back in August, September, and I'm uh, listening to the news, and and Ken Buck... It was, I'm going to say past tense, was my congressman until he made about 20 fatal mistakes. Um, but what really upset me was his uh, decision not to uh, uh, vote to impeach Mayorkas on the border. The border crisis is the biggest problem we have right now. And we've got to stop the flood of illegal aliens. And and when Ken Buck says no to Mayorkas because he's got to go, uh, that's a judgment call. That's a failed judgment call. When Ken Buck protects the Biden money machine and says no to the inquiry uh, against the Biden family because there's nothing else here uh, and tells the oversight committee, no, I'm not going to support that, Ken Buck's got to go. When I walk into my house and I watch uh, Newsmax, Fox Mm -hmm. News, and I'm a red-blooded American patriot, Mm -hmm. gun-toting, beer-drinking American, and I see... not at the same time, but go on. Yeah, Yeah. right. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, And I turn the TV in, and I do watch MSNBC and CNN just to see what the other side's doing. And I see same. Ken Buck on CNN throwing softballs at arguably the most radical, liberal news outlet in the country. I'm like, Ken, what in the bleep are you doing? Now you got to go. George, I was the only legitimate candidate who in September said, Ken, I'm coming after you. So had you announced then, and forgive me for not knowing I, this, but had I, you announced? I started an exploratory committee, and oh, I, I said, Ken, I'm coming after you. I'm starting this committee, um, and and you're, I'm going to help you pack your suitcase. I said, Ken, call me. You can go back and check the records. National News Media, The Hill. I was on radio here um, in Colorado, and I said, Ken, you've lost your way. For a guy that wrote the book, Drain the Swamp, you are now part of the swamp. And I'm going to help you pack your suitcase. So that's when the process started, and that's when I made that decision. One more thing, though. Every person that's in the race right now, with a few exceptions, and there are no names, they sit on the sidelines, they sit there and wait to get a signal from the bench to come in. I'm not going to name all the names, but there's a litany of them. Mm -hmm. I was the one that said, you know what? 
We've had enough CD4. You don't represent our district. And this cowboy's coming in to help run you out of town. Have you had the chance to talk with Ken about that? And I say that only from the context of my guess is he's been in this jurisdiction as you know as long as he's been in congress you've been in this jurisdiction as well have you had the opportunity to say hey dude what the hell like what's going on you were my guy well i'll tell you and i'll show you right here take a look yep i have him on my phone you do that's yeah. his personal cell phone yep. okay and he used to take my calls yeah but you know what i said ken we need to talk yeah call me yeah or i'll call you yeah yeah he won't take my calls anymore because you've lost your way. Now, Ken doesn't want to talk to me. He should have talked to me about six or eight months ago. I'm a state representative. I'm the whip. He knows I'm a leader in Colorado. And you ought to be, as a federal-level delegate, connected to your leadership in Colorado. Yep. That's another failure in Colorado. Why are we not more connected, federal legislators and, and, and representatives at the federal level, coming down and empowering our local state level? Do, do you see that on the other side? Do you see, like, the, uh, as Peter calls her, the heroin Barbies and the others working better with their Democrat they, leadership they cr- than we do? With They absolutely cross-talk. They're connected. Huh. And I'll use a military term. Their communications are completely nested and synchronized, mm-hmm. where we are fragmented and confused. Um, and, and the problem is you have to show Colorado that Colorado Republicans and their message, number one, is coordinated. Number one, we're all together. Number three, two, by the way, I'm going to count three. a little They're better. Just numbers. They're just I need numbers. another cup of coffee. Yeah. Uh, but, but we have to work together and synchronize our efforts and not be disconnected. And that takes time and effort. And, and we need to do better at that. And it can't be where the party is fighting amongst itself we're we're trying to have this purity test where if you're not far enough to the right and you and you don't yeah. you don't wash red enough you're not a dark enough color of red that you're not part of us we have to change that and unify so the people of Colorado the unaffiliated those young people that are trying to figure out who the, what they want to be and what they yeah. want to be when they grow up can look up and say that's what I want to do that's who I want to be I want to connect myself I want to hitch my ho- I want to hitch my horse to the Republican wagon cuz they they support my principles. Let's talk about the uh, the race as it's developing now because it has, my God, it's changed. I mean, you're right. Everybody and their mother, upon Ken's announcement, kind of jumped in, parachuted into the race. And without comment on them, that all got upended, what, a week or so ago? When uh, Congresswoman Boebert from the 3rd Congressional District said, I think I'm going to run here in the 4th. Talk about your reaction to that. Talk about what's going on with the race right now. How do you size this thing up? Well, I'll tell you and all your listeners, go to Holtorf4Colorado.com, Holtorf4Colorado.com, and you can see this public statement I made. uh, I mean, right away, within 24 hours of her announcing, I was the only candidate that came out with a strong message. Now, we learned in American government class back in when I went to CSU, by the way, go Rams. Is it accredited yet? I know that they're working on it. Billy was going to research that. <laughs> uh, I can't touch my that. My son goes there, so I really have to temper my criticism because he loves it. He's doing great. And when I'm up there, it's kind of cool. So anyway. <laughs> so so to get back to the, my point, yeah, yeah. you know, we learned what a carpetbagger was. Yeah. And Lauren Boebert is nothing but a carpetbagger. She's taken her carpet and she's trying to come from the western slope, 25 plus counties, to come to the eastern slope, 21 counties. Lauren Boebert is not qualified to represent CD4. She doesn't know the counties. She doesn't even know the county seats. 
I represented and still represent in the state house. I've represented 16 counties of wow. the 21 counties Whoa. in this congressional district. When I represented House District 64, nine counties in southeast Colorado, and now I represent seven counties in northeast Colorado. I'm connected with those communities. Here's where I need to reach Hold out. On. Do you have Lincoln and Elbert in there? Absolutely. Okay, just wanted to check. Absolutely. And Elbert County is a great place. Hey, I'm going to shout out to Tom uh, Peterson down oh, there. Tom's a good man. He's, a, good he's man. an amazing also, man. superstar daughter, by the way. I think she's recently engaged, but she, Chloe's fantastic. But Elbert and Lincoln, the reason I ask is that was part of my jurisdiction when I was the district attorney. And I can tell you that is still America. No knock uh, on Douglas or Rappo County. That's still America. When you get in there, you're like, oh, yeah, this is what it's supposed yeah, to be right, like. Right, right. So, so anyway, I will tell you the one counties that, 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 that don't really know me, but they need to know me. Because Holtor for Congress has a lot of layers. Uh, is Douglas County, Larimer County, Arapahoe and Adams. See big they, ones. Big ones. They're, they're big ones. But they don't know Holtor for Congress. But they need to know. I got a lot of layers. And I'm going to tell you a few things. Number one, let's talk about Bobert a little bit more. Okay. She is a desperately trying to jump to the other side of the state because she can't stand the heat in the kitchen. Look, you're a military man. I'm a military man. When you have a fight, you stand and fight. You fight. What was it? Uh, Davy Crockett in the Alamo. <laughs> you stand and fight, and if you've got 15 or 20 of them laying around you, <laughs> then... Billy uh, chimes in with, how did that work out? <laughs> but well, well, I'll tell you what. For American history, it worked out great because it showed the tenacity and toughness of Americans who yeah. stand and fight and never yield. Yeah. Well, you know what? Lauren Boebert, I hope your people are listening. Because in the military, they call that desertion. Do you know what the penalty for desertion is, my friend? I'll let I you do. answer that. I, I do know. It's it not might, a good one. It's, yeah, it, uh, it's I, the ultimate. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to announce it on the radio, but the last time they did it was in World War II in 1940. And that poor private who well, ran yeah, from private, the field of uh, battle. They made a movie with uh, it's really sad. Charlie Sheen, I think. Was yeah, in it. ran from battle, and he was put to death. Um, and, and you know what? That's what the penalty is for desertion. Yeah. You don't desert from a fight, but, Lauren well, Boebert. You, you just don't you run. You're talking about it in grave terms, but you're not suggesting, of course, anything, any harm. No, you, you, no, you, what you're no, talking no. about is if there's a principle there of when it gets hard, you stick it out. That, that's what you're talking about. Is, look, difficult fight, have at it, but don't leave the fight. Yeah, don't yield. Don't run from a fight. Stand and fight when you have to fight. You know that. When yep. I served in Afghanistan, did we run from fights? No. We stood and fought, and in almost every battle, in almost every case, we could beat the Taliban hands down. The one thing that was frustrating is our hands were tied, so we couldn't do it like we did it in World right. War II and really take well, care of business. We've kind of seen that since World War II. Almost everywhere we've gone, it's been the politicians who have said, we want you to fight real hard, but not that hard. Um, let me ask you two things I want you to talk about. One is where do you substantively disagree with um, Boebert on any of the positions because I think people I don't know that that's separate from this issue but two here's what she's bringing to this race man incredible name ID that's undeniable she brings 1.5 million dollars over from CD3 you're taking on this you've got the three smooth stones man in the sling you're taking on the Goliath of this CD4 race how do you do it well I will tell you everyone has asked me that question and 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 it's a tough, 
tough race, and I'm not going to cut and run. I tell people I'm in it to win it. She can bring her millions. I've raised over six figures right now, and for the, for the record, and you can go look it up, I started raising money December 6th. And I raised in less than 30 days over $100,000. And I'm going to continue to raise money. I'm never going to get to the 1.4 and 1.5 yeah, yeah. or whatever the numbers. But you know what? You don't buy a race. The people of Colorado are smarter than that. You shouldn't buy a race. I'm going to win this race by wearing out the bottom of my boots, mm-hmm. by getting out there and meeting the people and know that I am the person that won't forget them when I go to Washington, D.C. I talked to a person from Colorado Springs that said, you know, we wanted Bobert to come see us. We called her, we asked her, we invited her, and she wouldn't come see us. Hmm. What kind of a congresswoman doesn't go out and reach out to everybody, in even in your district or outside of your district, that wants to talk to you? I answer my phone. Oh, by the way, how many candidates will tell you their phone number is 970-520-0010? Write that down, people. Call me anytime. It's on my website. It's in my email. And I'll talk to you. for Congress. Yeah. Whole Tour for Colorado. Sorry. Whole Tour for Colorado.com. That's right. Whole Tour for Colorado. I'm writing it down right now. There's two Fs in there, by the way. Actually, you know what? If you put it all together, there's two Fs right next to each other. Whole Tour for Colorado. Com. Yeah, thank it. you. Thank you yeah. very much. You know, there's a there's 20 things I can talk about, Bobert. Number one, we were in Springfield. We were having a debate. She starts talking about uh, timber, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. runoff, um, the Colorado River. Yeah. Um, and for us in eastern Colorado, and Lauren Bobert, have your staff and your speechwriters pay close attention. The Colorado River is not one of the river basins in eastern Colorado. We have the Platte. We have the Republic. We have the Arkansas. We have the Cimarron. You don't know the district, ma'am. And you have no business representing it, number one. Number two, bring all the money you want to town. I think the Colorado electorate are smarter than that. Okay. Now, there is this little Bobert wow factor, but yeah. that Bobert wow factor is getting her in a lot of trouble. Okay. she. I raised five daughters. George. Wow. Five daughters. Whoa. And I tell you what, if my daughters would have done anything that she's done, we'd be having a serious talk yeah. about uh, what it is to put to set yourself to higher standards in public. She wants to be a congresswoman. Well, George, yeah. I will tell you, she needs to really take a good, hard look in the mirror. And the thing she just this this weekend, you know, what are you doing, ma'am? One of the you need things to find yourself. that was uh, aside to that whole thing that was revealing, and I think nobody was more disappointed to learn this than Stefan, was what they can see in the dark. You know, when you go to the DCPA and you see that they have those NVGs, they got like NVG cameras in there. It's like, oh, my sweet goodness. But let me ask you about the, this part, too. And I'm a big fan of the idea that the next person you meet someone from your jurisdiction shouldn't always be the first time you meet them from your jurisdiction. And you're talking about, hey, I've been on the eastern plains here for my whole life. I have represented these counties. When I'm going to these events, whether it's a Lincoln Day dinner or, or a debate, I'm not meeting people for the first time. I'm seeing them again, right? Like, hey, good to see you, Steve. Good to see you, Judy. That kind of thing. That's a big deal. I think that matters. But when you talk about mounting this kind of a campaign where, and it feels like this is true everywhere, name ID seems to drive so much of the narrative and so much of the fundraising and all the polling and all this other stuff. My guess is you got to win this thing at the assembly. You got to get on the, I'm guessing, I'm guessing you got to go through the assembly and your goal is to try to win over as many people through touches don't come from millions of dollars of advertising, but through le- legitimate in-person touches. How are you going to do that, man? That's a giant jurisdiction. It's got to be, what's bigger, fourth or third CD? 
Third is bigger, 25 counties, but not by much. Fourth is the next largest congressional district. It's 21 counties. But let me tell you how to do it. Yeah, how do you I'm do gonna it? I'm going to tell you how to do it. Okay, you buy a Chevy Silverado with 13,000 miles on it, and then you put 130,000 miles on it. That's what I have right now on my pickup. I plan on putting fifty or 60,000 mm-hmm. miles on my pickup between now and June 25th when the primary. I'm going to reach people, touch people. You know, does Lauren Boebert know where Simla, Colorado is? Well, I was at a meet and greet in Simla, <laughs> yeah, in Simla on Sunday, 25 Good-hearted American people. Don Bailey down there's got the most beautiful saddle museum and Western museum. Nobody even knows this thing is there. It's beautiful. It's got decades near centuries of history, and and I don't want Don Bailey now to be flooded by a bunch of people. <laughs> but we had a meet and greet down there, yeah. and Lauren Bobert has no idea where Simmel is. Now look, this no is, clue. This is going a little bit back in time here, but when I was the DA and I was because Simla was part of my jurisdiction, I went out to Simla, and uh, I remember getting gas. And uh, standing there for a really long period of time at the gas pump trying to figure out where to put my credit card. And the nice lady behind me from the window goes, hey, honey, hey, honey, it's over here. And it was one of those little kinds, you know, the kind where you slide it across with the carbon. And you got to have an embossed raised uh, numbers on there. That's right. That's exactly right. You can't have one of these fancy ones. And I was like, "Uh, what? Where am I? And But again, it was just America, man. I don't know how else to describe it. You could have seen Andy Griffith walking around the corner. I'm telling you, if I was on the uh, immigrant wagon trains coming uh, this way to resettle the western United States in my wagon, I would have stopped in Simla and said, this is where I want to punch cattle. This is it. you got a beautiful valley, the Kiowa River. Oh, by the way, Bobert doesn't even know that. Um, Beautiful area. And um, and that goes, and you see Pikes Peak to the west, right down the valley. Oh, my goodness. And all the grass in the world. I mean, it's heaven down there. There's no Best Buy there. There is not. There's no big box store there. No, there is not a single big box store there at all. In fact, I recall driving down there once, and the hardball road just ended. It was just like, that's turn, it. You're on gravel, gravel for you're on gravel for a bit. Good luck. You know, I'm like, holy crap. It was a good thing it was the DA car. L- let's do this. Let's cut away for a break. I got to do a live read here, and then we'll come back, and uh, we'll wrap up the conversation with it. I, I do want to talk about a little bit, too, like, Day one, Congressman Holtorf, what is it you're focused on? Like, you have an idea in your head, like, these are my top bills. This is the thing I want to tackle. I want to do that when we come back. Can we do that? We won't have a ton of time, but we'll do it. Hey, listen, before I cut away for a break, I want to tell you about our friends at QC Kinetics. Uh, These are the folks that are figuring out a way to make your life better by improving you. They do it through the least invasive way possible. Now, listen, you can go see a doctor and say, I have this chronic pain, and they can say, suck it up. They can say, here, take a whole bunch of pain pills, or they're going to refer you to some jock of medicine called an orthopedic surgeon. And I'm telling you, man, every if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. These guys will find a good reason to cut open you and try to fix you. Don't go through any of those. Instead, figure out a way to uh, get to QC Kinetics. These are the folks that will use regenerative medicine that's putting a needle in you, taking out the good parts and putting it into the parts that need help. And all of a sudden, you're feeling a ton better. You walk out, same day, same day treatment. You start being healed the next day. No drugs, no surgery, no downtime. Get your life back. 303-900-8986, 303-900-8986, or check them out at QC, those are letters, qckinetics.com. When we come back, we'll wrap up the hour with Representative Holtorf uh, and me, George Brockler, 710 KNUS.
Back with you here, 710 KNUS, final segment with our in-studio guest. Uh, his name is Richard Holtorf. He's a state house representative from the northeast part of uh, Colorado. He is running for the 4th Congressional District. I, I teased folks by saying, um, before we cut you loose, and folks, by the way, you can find out a lot of this stuff if you just go to HoltorfForColorado.com. Holtorf has one F in it, but if you throw the four in there, it's two right next to each other. Holtorf for Colorado. Actually, if you put the two Fs in it, it's Holtorf or Colorado. Either way, it all spends the same when you go to the website. I uh, tease folks by saying I wanted to ask you, what's the plan, man? You win this thing. What does day one look like? For uh, Presumably, hopefully, we're still in the majority in the House. What do you do? Well, I will tell you that uh, when I become the next congressman for CD4, I'm going to go back to Washington. The first thing we're going to do is focus on the border and the drug flow. We have families that are losing their kids to fentanyl. If you're a mother and you have a teenage son that is struggling with drug dependency and he or she can't find their way, the last thing you need is for poisonous fentanyl to kill them and you have to bury your child. There is nothing more painful for a parent. I haven't had to do it. I know friends of mine that have. So I will tell you the first thing we're going to do is address that border and the drug cartels that are literally laughing at us right now as they're peddle their poison. If we have to activate the National Guard of multiple states along the border, if we have to federalize our troops, if we have to federalize uh, uh, reserve forces, we're going to bring those forces forward and we're going to protect our border and we're going to interdict because we can do it. I served in Afghanistan down on the southern border. We can interdict these cartels and stop this drug flow with the military capabilities we have responsibly, carefully, and surgically. That needs to stop. The next thing is this debt crisis is out of control. We've got to turn our spending around, the entitlement spending, and I'm going to work tirelessly to change that trajectory. Because your kids and grandkids, and I have two grandkids, how can they carry over $101,000 worth of debt before they ever get out of high school? How do they carry that into the future? It'll be forgiven by the Biden administration. Well, you know, because it's magic money or monopoly money. It's a race and it disappears. You don't have the debt. Now, what about the dangerous international crisis? We have two wars going on right now. There's nobody in this race that understands foreign policy, that understands how dangerous the world is, because I've been around the world. I've been in the Middle East. I've been in the Pacific. I know... I've been to China, for crying out loud. I know the danger of North Korea. I understand the danger of radical, fundamental Islamism and what that means and what the cure is for that. And it's a strong military. You know, I went to the War College, and it was peace through strength was the motto. Number one, you have to be strong. Number two, you have to show that you have that strength. Talking about it isn't enough. Well, I will bring that leadership. And I'll also bring a military, senior-level military leadership to Washington, D.C., where I think we lack it. Look what Matt Gates did when they rolled McCarthy. At probably arguably the worst time in the world because he didn't understand strategically the implications. Whether McCarthy needed Dog to... caught the car and didn't yeah. know what to do after yeah. he caught the car. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Arguably, McCarthy was, he was a rhino. He was going to the Biden uh, administration and actually begging for... Um, concessions. You don't give that away. That kind of leadership is what I bring, sir, and thank you for inviting me to your program. Richard Holtorf, you can find him at Holtorf4Colorado.com. This is going to be a hell of a race. We're going to stay tuned. We'll have Richard back on here. Good luck under the Gold Dome, sir. Uh, hey, listen, stick around. we got one more hour. Love to hear from you at 303-696-1971. George Brockler, 710 KNUS. Bam.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.